constantly move forward. There's a continuing and urgent need for higher education. It's necessary for tomorrow's future and for a dynamically changing workforce. As the need for education is changing, so is education itself. Welcome to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education with your host, Dave Goldberg. In this program, we'll discuss the complex changes that are being made to higher education today, and we'll help you stay ahead of tomorrow if you're a student, educator, or in the workforce. Now, here's Dave Goldberg. And welcome to Big Beacon Radio. I am Dave Goldberg, and Big Beacon is a movement to transform higher education at bigbeacon.org. In every episode, we explore some of the innovators and innovations that are changing the world of higher education all around us. And you can follow live tweeting of the show at hashtag Big Beacon Radio. This first segment is sponsored by the book that is transforming higher education, A Whole New Engineer, The Coming Revolution in Engineering Education at wholenewengineer.org. It's not just for engineers anymore. And today we're very fortunate to have our special guest, uh, Eric Everson, um, with Start Engineering with us. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you very much, Dave. I'm glad to be with you. Well, it's, it's great to have you, and, and we want to talk about uh, Start Engineering's uh, very interesting story in a minute, but um, we like to get to know our guests a little bit before we d- dive into what they're doing. We want to know who they are. So you've been, you're currently your VP for Learning and Communications at Start Engineering. You've uh, you, you went the academic route early. You got a PhD in comparative literature. You've been a professor. Um, you've been in communications at the American Society for Engineering and Education and and uh, another nonprofit. But let's hop in the time machine. And I'm curious, what were some of the uh, key early influences in your life that uh, put you on your current path? Well, that, that's a that's a great question. Um, the path that you described for your listeners um, might seem uh, a little bit uh, wandering and meandering. I, you know, the idea of following your own nose and uh, and trusting what it tells you about where you should go next is something that you know I grew up with uh, in my family from way back. My father <clears throat> always told a story about how. He uh, walked off the boat uh, coming from Norway to the United States with two back, two suitcases and a backpack, um, and ended up uh, as a as a professor of statistics um, at Swarthmore College. It's nothing he ever expected to do. He thought he was going to be here for a year or two, but he just kept accumulating experiences and gathering information and meeting people and trying to stay tuned in to what was exciting and interesting uh, for him, and that led him on a wonderful career. Uh, and and it, for all that it looked like it sort of had purpose and trajectory from the from the back end of it at the front end, as he would admit <laughs> very readily, he didn't know what he was doing. Um, by the same token, my mother uh, ended up as an academic too, as it happens, because she's very smart. Um, but she didn't start her uh, graduate work until she was forty, and it, like my father, didn't really plan on on becoming who she ended up becoming as a as a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, um, where she's done you know wonderful work in sociology and social work. But she followed her own nose too, and I think that that always seemed like the guiding assumption for me and for my siblings that you would just pay careful attention to what was interesting and, and keep doing that as long as you could. So that's, that's been my, uh, my uh, approach, too. Well, and, and on, on this show, we're sort of skeptical of uh, 
planning as a as a way into careers so most careers some people you know wake up at age three and know what they're going to be but for for most of us it is a it is a journey and I think one of the things that uh, the show is is often about is that 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 planning is 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 more old school that planning is about uh, lives with certainty and not much change and we live in a time that's different than that and so it seems as though the DIY career is is more and more the case and which is why one of the reasons I asked a question like this because almost no one has a planned story everyone has an interesting I went this way kind of story and and along those lines as you as you know Mark Somerville and I wrote the book A Whole New Engineer and in there we talk about the centrality of unleashing um in in this in this age of ours, and so I'm, uh, and so I, we may have heard your some of your unleashing experiences with your well, we heard unleashing stories that you followed, but were there particular people in your lives that helped you unleash? I mean, right now you're an entrepreneur, um, you've had more steady, you've had steadier jobs than that. You know, for example, what what gives a person the courage to go off and and be an entrepreneur or anything else in your life? What uh, what unleashing experiences can you share with our audience? Well, you know, I think that my, as I was suggesting before, the primary motivation for me has always been to find things that were interesting and creative. Yep. Yep. And that led me into these various um, uh, jobs. The, the two jobs that I had, you know, that were with so-called steadier uh, uh, organizations were in and of themselves very entrepreneurial and startup, too. In both instances, I was involved in, in starting new operations within organizations. So that, you know, that was interesting and exciting for those reasons. But as, as I think anybody with an entrepreneurial mindset would say, you know, there's a half-life to those kinds of jobs. They don't necessarily last very long because eventually things get routinized. Um, you, you know, in terms of, of personally uh, unleashing experiences, uh, you know, I think that they were they were intellectual for me and originated with experiences in school. Um, a story that I have never forgotten and that has served, you know, many different purposes for me over sure. uh, my own sort of learning life uh, was from ninth grade English, and we were uh, encountering uh, some. We were reading a story that happened to be by O. Henry, and my ninth grade English teacher, Peg Bloom. Um, uh, was making the point that there were, you know, lots of parts of the story that could mean different things depending on what you wanted them to, uh, to mean. And so she focused in on this word fortunate, um, which could mean many things in her reading of it. It meant lucky, it meant rich. In, in an ironic reading of fortunate, it also could mean somebody who was unlucky. Hmm. And that moment, uh, you know, in which the duality and internal contradictions of language really hit home uh, for me has always stuck in my head. It kind of blew my mind um, because it, it, it underscored in retrospect for me how important it was to keep a kind of fresh perspective um, and to, to look at things from different angles and to be willing to entertain uh, uh, contradictory and multiple interpretations of, of texts and experiences and approaches and so on. Um, and And that's a been a key point for me to hold on to as I've gone through these different experiences. You know, don't trust your assumptions about what something might be on the surface. Uh, look underneath it, uh, and that can lead you into some other kind of way of knowing or understanding. That's been really exciting and interesting for me for you know since since I was 14 years old. 
Well, and I think you know that's uh, one of the minds in a whole new engineer is this notion of linguistic mind, and there's a sense in engineering that it's all about the math and the science. But I've I've had a number of cases where where engineers interpreted particular pieces and bits of language in a very narrow and and disciplinary discipline centric kind of way, and were unable to see outside the discipline and it seems like that's also um a, a habit that's going the way of the dodo bird but it's a tough one because um engineering especially engineering is has not been uh focused on the importance of language to 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 being a great engineer and i think i think we're going to spend some time talking about story and one of the things i find so fascinating about the start engineering story is its emphasis on 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 story, and so that, and, and that's a good segue into. Um, so you're currently in uh, on, working on a startup um, that's uh, got some very interesting um, publication offerings out called Start Engineering. What can you tell our audience about the company? Thanks. Well, our mission is to make engineering exciting and accessible. Uh, our focus is on K twelve audiences. We want to tell a story uh, in words and pictures about engineering that makes it. Uh, as an enterprise, seem like something people can imagine doing and seem like something they can understand and participate in uh, and, and get a handle on. That has often not been the case um, in terms of what engineering messaging has been. So that accessibility and that excitement and engagement is, is fundamental to what we're doing. You know, and at the same time, we're very focused on expanding those audiences um, you know, for lots and lots of reasons. Um, and diversity is is central to our mission too. Um, yep. as, from an engineering perspective, of course, the the, the diversity uh, uh, you know of options in your solution set makes your ultimate solution is you know the uh, better one. So uh, that is a sort of logical <laughs> principle underscores why it's important to extend engineering you know into all these audiences that have historically been underrepresented. Then, of course, the social equity piece is important to us. Um, but you know, it's a, it, the diversity concern is really. For us. Yeah, and and so um, and so the company's uh, focus has been on uh, on K twelve. I'm guess I'm um, curious though how you know so you know the National Academy of Engineering does uh, this sort of thing. Uh, you used to work with the American Society for Engineering Education. They turn out uh, publications. What what prompted the creation of a and what and, and start engineering as a private firm, for-profit firm, um, an entrepreneurial startup. What what prompted that? Well, I, you know, I think you know, you're right. Of course, um, that there are other actors at this space. Um, you know, one thing in terms of the structure of the space, you know, we we don't see anybody else whose core mission is to serve these yep. audiences, the K twelve audiences. Everybody, and this this is such a big topic. Everybody does K-12 engineering as a sideline, um, just about. And, and what we found, um, uh, because everybody, all of us at Start Engineering, all two and a half of us, I should add, <laughs> at Start Engineering um, came from ASE. And what we saw there um, was the energy and the passion around the K-12 activities that people brought to it, the hunger for the knowledge from, from yeah. the audiences that we would reach. Um, but but nobody's doing it as their core mission. Um, and, and people are doing very nice work in it, but it's not what they're 
really set up to do. So, you know, I think the simplest answer to that question is that literally nobody else was doing it. Well, and and I guess uh, in the and so and what is and you know and what is it? So it, if for you, is the creation of publications that inspire. I mean, so Vince Bertrand might at Project Lead the Way might disagree with you that that um, that they have a, the centrality of their mission is K twelve and it's about STEM um, and and very highly emphasized in engineering. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, so so right. To be clear, um, yeah. there are numerous. Uh, you know, wonderful programs, educational programs like Project Lead the Way, um, uh, you know, that that uh, start with a premise that, you know, engineering is something people should be doing and learning in K-12. Yep. through 12. You know, what I was thinking about is the messaging piece um, and trying to organize and, 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 and make coherent, you know, a, a, a picture or a story about engineering that, you know, cuts across all of the disciplines that embraces the kind of ethos um, and, and possibilities associated with engineering, not so much the technical, you know, curriculum pieces and materials. Because as you say, um, and this is something that's been really exciting, you know, to, to have sort of seen evolve in the field over 15, 16 years, um, you know, people have brought all sorts of wonderful energies and creativity uh, to implementing it as a practice in K-12 education. It's more the entry piece that we thought was a place we could inhabit and, and be useful. Yeah, and I'm hearing, I'm sort of hearing that description. Yeah, so the and yeah, the distinction you made. So there's, a, so there've been actors working on various actors working on curricula, technical curricula, and ways that you bring this in. Some in the in in the curriculum, some like firstly first robotics on on the outside, um, but as a, as an extracurricular. Um, but I'm but I'm sort of here. I'm hearing the the distinction as. Uh, well, it it is about communication, but I'm I also I sort of I heard it um, through my lens of uh, emotion. I heard it as the emotional piece, the inspirational piece. Was that is that fair? Or? Absolutely fair. No, that's exactly right. That gets to one of our core principles. Um, we, you know, we we want to get people to feel something about what engineering yeah. can be, and that is something we've found people respond to, um, especially people who are not already oriented towards the field, who don't have any experience with it, because as we all know, uh, it, the, the word engineering has, has intimidating connotations. And it's difficult for people to find a point of entry when they're asked to engage with engineering because it seems so fearsome, so fraught with math and science and, 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 and a certain kind of geeky you know, profile that requires a you know, command of knowledge before you get to join the club. Um, and we're trying to tell a different story about it. Okay. So, um, so the, 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 the two and a half members of the team were, were all part of, uh, the K-12 efforts at ASW. Is that how it got started? How did it actually, what actually kicked it off? What was there something that triggered, you know, sometimes, uh, you go off and do something crazy, like start a new business or, retire from being an engineer for 26 years because something um, is irritating enough that you got to go do something about it. So was, was there something irritating or some, some blessing on the outside or what was it that, that really forced the company's hand to go off and take the shot at, at uh, an entrepreneurial startup? Right. So um, 
you know, this, the, the company started in some senses about 15 years ago when mm. um, Bob Black, our CEO and founder, and I were um, working at ASEE, and, and we worked a lot with the Dean's group and uh, as well as the, the sort of policy world of, of higher education, yeah. but engineering and technology sort of policies in particular. Um, the, the, you know, as everybody remembers, that was the dot-com boom. In fact, it was the kind of the, the, the waning of the dot-com boom. And so people felt a lot of anxiety about where the sort of continuing supply of innovative uh, thoughts and, and, and workforce um, members was going to come from because there were some indications, um, whether reliable or not, in the form of international test scores and, and AP exams and so on, um, uh, as to whether that sort of innovation ecosystem was going to be sustainable uh, yeah. to keep the U.S. at the forefront of technological, you know, innovation and global competitiveness and so on. Right? Everybody remembers those years. Um, well, one thing that we how we experienced that moment at ASEE was a lot of interest uh, and, frankly, some concern about what was going on in engineering education and how um, p- people were reaching into younger audiences to try to make engineering education meaningful and accessible and relevant and so on. Well, you know, we didn't have a good answer for anybody. Uh, so we started looking around into what was going on at schools and we, you know, to say we discovered it is wrong because other people were already active and, and sure. creative in the field. But what we came to learn was that there was all these really exciting, impassioned, you know, people working on a K-12 engineering outreach. And then as time went on, K-12 engineering education. Um, so we got excited about it too, because these were just wonderful people to work with and they were excited and they were uh, very open to collaboration and they wanted to tell you everything that they were doing because it was so meaningful to them. Yeah. Um, so we started to inside the society. We started to build some some K twelve oriented operations about outreach um, and education. We started um, a magazine there uh, designed for high school students. We started a, an annual teachers workshop to try to get them familiar with what engineering might look like in the classroom. We had a website. I spoke you know all over the country uh, yep. about the topic. So you know we got the bug. Uh, Bob and I got the bug because it was so interesting and fun um, to do it there and. You know, as time went on, um, we we each kind of moved in, in some different directions, but I think uh, missed that excitement in that community. Um, about three, three and a half, four years ago, Bob retired, um, but as is his nature, you know, wasn't able to stay retired. So he um, decided he was going to sort of revisit some of those early ASEE um, ideas that we had had um, and, and had been able to work out, but not as fully as we you know, thought were possible to do. Um, he was going to start to do that from within a for-profit you know, setting. Um, so he, he got into the business with this first book, uh, uh, Dream Invent Create, uh, yeah. for elementary school students. And, and I, I had reached the end of my sort of time at, a, at the subsequent job. I had gone on to and, and would have lunch with Bob and hear his stories and be really jealous. <laughs> Just sure. like he was having all the fun, um, and I wanted to go in on it with him. So the timing was good for both of us to kind of rejoin forces uh, nice. and see what we could do with this. Very nice. By the way, let's take a little bit of a break, and we'll come back and, and talk about some of um, some of these early offerings, and and then we'll uh, add on to that and talk about where, where this is heading. This is Big Beacon Radio with our special guest, Eric Everson. Stay with us, and in the next segment, we'll talk about some of Start Engineering's uh, offerings for uh, K-12 uh, engineering outreach. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of Three Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back to Big Beacon Radio. The, the second segment is sponsored by Three Joy Associates. Get the training, coaching, and change leadership uh, consultation that will help transform your organization at threejoy.com. And uh, before the break, we were talking with our guest, uh, Eric Everson of Start Engineering, about the the formation of the company, how it grew out of early efforts at uh, AS communications efforts at ASWE. And um, this segment, I think we want to turn to some of the early publications them, themselves. And so I'm, I appreciate your, you were kind enough to send me uh, uh, your offerings. And so I'm holding in my hand right now, oh, it's a, what about a eight inch square, um, booklet, thin booklet called uh, Dream, Invent, Create, Engineer the World, an Introduction to the Inspiring Possibilities of Engineering. I, I love that language. And I'm looking at pictures of um, really uh, what, uh, like, an or cartoon animation or anim anime cartoon-like figures. Um, they're diverse. They're skiing. They're... Uh, there are buoys, there are scuba divers, there are jet planes, there are iPads. And then I open the book and um, and like on the first page, it's actually written in rhyme. I'm looking at a giant hamburger and it says urban farming and I've got some terraced farms and the, the, f the first page is in rhyme, grow food enough for every belly from New Hampshire to New Delhi. Make your veggies more delicious and your burgers more nutritious. Plant farms and unexpected places for cleaner, greener urban 
spaces. So I apologize for my interpretation of the poetry, but um, what um, what what is uh, what is Start Engineering hoping to accomplish? Well, who's this targeted for, and and uh, what's what's this publication about? So this publication is um, meant for a K to five audience, and mm-hmm. um, you, you read the rhyme very well. I might add, uh, oh, I give thank, you thank you. I give you high marks as a former English teacher. Well, <laughs> I got that. That's actually meaningful. I I didn't do that well in some of my English classes. <laughs> um, but we, you know, we we wanted the book to be accessible and and approachable for kids, whether they were going to have it read to them by a teacher or program leader or educator or parent for that matter, um, or whether it was going to be something they um, read on their own as a as a reading exercise. Um, and it it, it it it's scored at about a third grade reading level, um, yeah. so it's right about in the middle of that that targeted K to five audience. But the the goal of the book is really to inspire kids to see engineering as a way for them to express their hopes and dreams about what they can do in the world with their passions and energies to change it and make it a better place. Um, that, you know, it is it, in large measure what engineering sets you up to do um, in its sort of best moments. Um, to, to do something to make, you know, the world a better place, a safer place, a healthier place, an easier place, a more fun place. And we want kids to understand that that's available to them, that, that the, the, the book urges them to, to you know, sh- articulate their dreams and see engineering as a way to, to sort of make them real. Yeah, and and the book's it's very attractive, and um, and of course it has it has the 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 rhyming um, throughout. But the so for example on um, actually I, I like this uh, page page uh, twenty that uh, ties in uh, engineering as an entree into business. Be a business pioneer with factories to engineer robots on assembly lines that fabricate new toy designs, and make your dreams reality with 3D print technology. The picture of a 3D printer, a laser cutter, um, uh, and uh, what, uh, robots assembling, uh, uh, what, uh, teddy bears probably in Shenzhen. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so, but, um, but it's actually, but it's actually technically, so the, it's cartoonish in the in the illust- the illustration has kind of a cartoon fl- flavor to it, but it's actually the content's actually fairly sophisticated technologically. We I, worked, I mean, as we for K five, it's it's pretty good stuff. We worked very hard with various people, educators, industry partners. Um, you know, we showed the book around to lots and lots of people who knew a lot more about us than yep. uh, what was going to be represented on the page, and. You know, our first goal was that it, that the stuff be good, that that it, the quality be credible and high, and because if it wasn't, you know, nothing else we said was going to be persuasive. So we wanted to use this book and all of our books, for that matter, to establish an ethos, which is reliable, trustworthy, credible, and and real. Uh, and we're trying to represent things as as they you know really happen in our world, but in a way that is accessible and fun and engaging. Um, so the you know the book works on many different levels. Um, it should teach not only kids, give them a sense of what these things you know uh, look like in the real world, but it can teach their parents and not insignificantly their teachers. Um, a very you know a key part of the book, which we understood to be valuable, but not the degree to which it has proven to be valuable, 
is the uh, text around the edge of the page, which is narrative, um, and it addresses um, uh, things about why this particular disciplinary engineering is cool, um, how it touches other kinds of areas, how it might have a sort of beneficial ecological impact, what other kinds of exciting things it leads to in terms of, you know, consumer goods or whatever. Um, but that's a little cheat sheet for teachers uh, or for parents because yep. many young readers won't notice that text um, because it doesn't follow the pattern of language on the page that they've been taught to look for. Um, but it's a way to give, uh, you know, guides in this sort of journey towards understanding engineering, a little purchase on, on a bigger picture right away in the moment that can help them fill out, you know, what it means to talk about engineering for these younger learners. Yeah, that's interesting. And so you're saying that the uh, language around the the edges. So, for example, on the um, uh, I read the um, where was that? I was on page uh, twenty, and I read that. So around that page, um, uh, so cool manufacturing engineers design factories and systems to make all the stuff that people use today, including toys, cars, airplanes, and more. What else? They help figure out how to build lots of products very fast without giving up quality, saving the planet. Manufacturing engineers also find ways for factories to use less energy and fewer materials, making processes cheaper and more efficient. Tell me more factories often use robots designed by engineers to do jobs that are difficult or dangerous for a person to do. So that's the outside text of that page. And you're saying that that's actually been uh, – I wasn't sure the point that you were making. Was that, is that, is that actually turned out to be more important or less important or, or – um, or you weren't, so, you weren't thinking it would be that important and it's turned out to be very important? What, what's well, that well, so, text so, uh, What we've heard, is, you know, from teachers um, yeah. and, and, you know, outreach program leaders is that they make use of that text to talk, to, to, to build out the picture of engineering for the kids. I um, see. And that information is right there on the page for them to consult. Uh, and it gives them some comfort and some, some uh, you know, ability to, to, to talk and answer questions and lead discussion in other directions um, once, uh, once they lay out the basic predicate of what the rhyme and the picture are trying to uh, present. Nice. Yeah, and so, um, how's this, so how's this being received? How, um, um, have you sold a bunch of copies? Who are you selling them to? And, and what's been the reception? Um, you know the reception's been great. We uh, we take this around the country to lots of different meetings um, for um, uh, STEM educators, uh, after-school programs, um, of engineering education uh, meetings. People really like it. Um, the teachers really um, sort of twig to it right away. They see it as something you know that their kids will will enjoy, that will engage them. Uh, it's been a really really popular book. Uh, and and uh, we, you know the the response when people see it you know on the page is uh, you know almost uniformly and immediately positive. Um, so it, it, it's been great. We've been it's really gratifying to to get the time you know to to show people the book and talk about it firsthand and, and help them understand you know what it can do and, and how it can work. The um, what, another you know benefit that we have uh, found with the book is that it serves very well even just as a literacy exercise. Obviously, you know, elementary education is very, very significantly focused on reading, especially in the K to two, K to three grades, sure. and that's what they spend the bulk of their time on reading exercises. So the rhyme sets up a lot of interesting kinds of reading exercises people can mm. do with the book too. It can you know ask kids to think about 
phonetics and meaning and how they relate and how they might sort of think of different constructions and build out their own versions of, of, of you know, uh, uh, their own kinds of language skills. And so it has a kind of, you know, metacognitive benefit, too, in terms of how it can, you know, fit in with reading exercises people are already doing. Nice. So I'm going to shift, and, and I've got a – you sent me also – let's go uh, down market. And, and uh, so I've, I'm looking at a coloring book now. That it's uh, about a 9 by 12 cover, and it says, what in, What's Engineering, Color, and Discover a Coloring and Activity Book for Ages 4 to 6? Got a picture of a red vehicle. Um, I can't tell what kind of model. And I've got a, a boy and a girl on the front and a roller coaster and, with an airplane – and then the first page says is a coloring page, and it says, "What is an engineer in block letters that can be colored? An engineer creates cool things like rockets, robots, and roller coasters. Turn the page to find out what else engineers do. Color in the letters if you can." So, um, what's this? Uh, who's this coloring book for? The, the coloring book is for a younger audience. It's it's a pre-K to two um, audience in, in our minds. Um, I, I would I would just add that I went through extensive focus group testing on my own three children. <laughs> and they, uh, <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> they enjoyed it and they they continue to go back to it um, uh, for the coloring opportunities and and the reading. Um, but we, you know the idea with this book is that we want to give kids an idea that engineering is all around them, that the results of engineering you know are everywhere in the world that they inhabit, and the larger you know idea of course is that. We all live in an engineered and designed world much more than we live in a, in the natural world, yes. uh, but it's so pervasive and it is it, it shapes so much of what we do that it all, it's almost become invisible. We've lost, I think, the the perspective on how engineered you know our, our lives really are. Um, so this book is meant to kind of defamiliarize people's perspective a little bit, and and that's a fancy word you know to use when you think about four to six year olds. But you know they see things with such fresh perspective. They have they don't have to unlearn the kinds of things that yeah. we do as adults. Yeah. And we wanted to at a very sort of formative and base and early age give them a sense that when they look out on the world and 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 they make use of tools and they they go in cars and they they walk around they, that it's engineering uh, that made those you know made that world. It's not just nature that in some inevitable way th- yielded up these products that make our lives possible. Yeah, nice. And and then, uh, so in this book, so this one doesn't have the writing around the edges, but at the end it has kind of a section for parents, educators, so you can discuss. So for example, point one, one, before reading the book together, ask your children what they think an engineer does. What do they think after reading the book? What most surprised them? Those are great questions. And then uh, activities. Make a list. Ask children to identify the items created by engineers in your home or in the classroom. How have these objects changed or improved over time? How, how important, you know, so it was important in the, uh, the 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 other book to uh, you know, help the teachers or help the parents uh, t- talk to the to their kids or their students about this stuff. How important are, is this? Are these uh, materials at the end of the coloring book? Very important. Um, and and again, they have a kind of stealth purpose, which is to uh, encourage the adults uh, who are you know working through the book with the, with the children to to rethink some of these um, assumptions or ideas that they might have. Also, yeah, uh, I, I really like that. And and I mean, we are so um, used to thinking, you know, so we take all of our technology so for granted, and um, to the point where the the technology and the people who bring it to us are all invisible. I love this. This is yeah. great. 
Yeah. And so the third thing I'm looking at here is uh, it's called a career guide, start engineering. About again, a nine by 12. I've got uh, Supergirl in a blue uh, um, uh, tight fitting uh, flying outfit, uh, flying over Metropolis uh, with uh, people movers and dams and tall skyscrapers. And it says, learn about exciting career opportunities, the major field of engineering fields of engineering, universities and colleges, salary info, and much more. Who's this, who's this one for? So this is, this is for middle school and high school students. Um, the purpose of this um, publication is to help them understand what engineering can lead to, what kinds of you know, cool things engineers do. We put, um, we, the bulk of the book is uh, two-page features about uh, cool things that engineers get involved with across all kinds of different activities that people might or might not think of as engineering-based or engineering-related. So, you know, we want to tell some, some engaging, you know, relevant stories for this uh, age range that illustrate what kinds of, you know, things engineers end up being able to do in their actual work lives. Uh, you know, the, uh, that is a way to hook them, it's a way to get them excited and interested. Then um, w- there's lots of other information in the book to do with more practical matters. Um, w- what you might expect from uh, an engineering education, what kind of student, ex- what sort of things students experience, um, the importance of how, you know, how to pay for it, of course, is real. So there's some guidelines on looking for money, capsule descriptions of the field, starting salaries and different disciplines of engineering, what schools give out what number of, of uh, degrees in what fields. So we try to present a full sort of data-rich picture of engineering to support the engaging story content at the front of the book um, to give people a, sort of a, a pathway uh, or some guidance on the pathway that they can use to plot out a, uh, you know, their, their approach uh, to engineering as a course of study and work. Yeah, so, for example, there at page 14 is a story uh, by, called entitled Bionic Grace, Creating Prosthetic Limbs for People in Need is just one part of the rewarding work of bioengineers. And the title picture is a picture of Amy Purdy, who lost both her legs at age 19, performs with Derek Hoff on Dancing with the Stars. And then the opening, the lead of the story, Amy Purdy lost both of her legs at age 19 after contracting bacterial meningitis, but that didn't stop her from becoming a champion snowboarder, actress, and model. Many people cheered her on during her energetic performance on Dancing with the Stars. And anyways, it goes on. The story goes on. These are great stories. These are inspiring stories. How did did you guys, uh, again, uh, well done. How did did you... uh, Pick the is it's like it's like uh, ASWE Prism on steroids here. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, you know, we we just stay tuned in to as many different sources of information as we can, and and we, you know we've all acquired the habit of seeing things through um, the sort of popularizing of engineering lens that that we yeah. that we developed at ASCE and we've honed and extended and amplified, I think, with Start Engineering. So you know that's the way we sort of consume stories in the media. Well, what's the engineering angle? How can we relate this to... You know the technology behind whatever is you know happening in this story, and uh, you know once you adopt that perspective, you see it everywhere because it is everywhere. It's not just, it's not hard to find. Um, and then of course the human interest piece is important, and, and we all come from a sort of humanities or social sciences background, so um, it's a natural 
you know, impulse for us to try to tell a story around people or, or, or you know, larger social interests, um, you know, appealing things, fun things, uh, whatever the hook might be, uh, you know, I feel like we're pretty good at, at, at identifying that and translating it into a way that makes the engineering piece uh, accessible and understandable and then engaging too because it has to be, again, something that people can imagine themselves doing. It's project their own values and hopes into the story uh, to, to imagine a future for themselves doing something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 I want to continue here. I want to – so these are some of your main offerings right now, but I think we want to um, – Take a look at uh, where where you're headed and and what what projects are on your on on your plate and like to talk about the journey of uh, of your startup and the things that you've learned maybe in the next segment. So let's take a little break and come back and talk about that. This is Big Beacon Radio with our special guest Eric Everson from Start Engineering. Next segment we want to talk about uh, where this goes from here. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of Three Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3joy website, www.3joy.com today. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back to Big Beacon Radio. And our final segment is sponsored by Big Beacon Radio itself. Advertise on this show and reach some of the most committed, I don't know, confitted, committed reformers and transformers in education today. Write to me, Dave Goldberg, at DEG at bigbeacon.org to reach your audience today. And so uh, we're back with uh, Eric Everson of Start Engineering. We've been talking about their very cool publications for uh, the K 12 audience. And in this segment, we want to. Uh, explore um, 
this entrepreneurial startup as a as a way to help bring about change. the The show is really about bringing about change, and um, you know, one of my senses is that some of the um, some of the some of the places where real change is happening is in small startups. I'm seeing small K twelve startups. I'm seeing consultants out there doing stuff, but uh, that a lot of the energy for the kind of change that's needed is coming from um, private sector or um, a budding nonprofit, uh, a non traditional nonprofit sector. Uh, so, Eric, I guess I'm curious about your your journey uh, in in a for profit. So. Uh, start engineering is an entrepreneurial startup. What's what's that journey been like for you? It's you know it's been endlessly interesting <clears throat> um, because of all the things that uh, you get a chance to learn and to explore. Um, you know, across all sorts of domains of experience, um, the, 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 there is a, you know with an entrepreneurial you know, startup in a for-profit um, company, you know, there's a very, very clear and easy indicator of success, and that is whether you're selling anything. So that has a way of focusing your attention um, yes. and motivating your uh, interests and, and abilities and creativity um, to just keep trying things. So th- it, for all that that sounds like pressure or constraint, it's actually very liberating because you get to try all sorts of different things. Um, and as, as long as you're I think sort of, you know, adequately measuring them and, and assessing them, um, you know, you're constantly feeding that information back into the, into the, to the improvement cycle. It's really interesting. And, and it, it gets to, in some, you know, that that's kind of the spirit of engineering too. It's design under constraint, right? Yep. And so a startup is, is, you know, activity <laughs> under a very clear constraint of the, of the need to sell stuff. And that focuses the mind. It enforces a kind of creativity on you when, when you're constrained by that purpose. So it's just, but, but paradoxically, that is liberating and fun, and it makes it really rewarding to see when something does work. Well, and, and there's, a, I've always, there's an honesty about it. That, you know, when I was a faculty member, and I loved being a faculty member, but there's sometimes the, the bureaucracy and the politics of being as part of a social organization with standing uh, interests of, of the people that have gotten tenure before you um, would put artificial constraints on things that had nothing to do with whether things were working or not or were, were popular out, in, in, in the, um, out there in the reading public. So I, I would be told – I, as a, a young academic, I was told, well, Dave, don't write a book because assistant professors don't write books. Um, and then I was told, and Dave, uh, to publish in that area is uh, going to kill your career, even though it was important to me and, and people wanted to read about that stuff. And so there's a sense in which uh, going off into a startup and being constrained only by what, what, what the market will bear is actually liberating, as you're saying. Yeah, it is profoundly. You know, in, in some of these more sort of over-determined organizational settings, uh, the, 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 the constraints have much more to do with, you know, the, the ways people talk about what they can frame as a problem and what they, they can put forth as a solution, and whether that is connected to anything that, you know, is enacted in some kind of larger audience setting is secondary. And that's immensely frustrating. And, and, and then the corollary of all that, of course, then becomes procedure <laughs> as an end unto itself. Um, and, and, you know, that, that really sucks the life out of you. Well, and it's, it, it's, it, and I, I agree a lot of it's process and procedure, but then there's a piece of it, a big piece of it, especially in an academic setting that's about status and perceived status by some existing 
group of people that has status. And so if you go against that and do some things that are perceived currently as low status, then you get a lot of noses turned down at you even even if the thing thing is working. And so there's a it's so so and then the, the way they kill it is by holding you to process and procedure. But but the real the real kill the real kill joy is is essentially that well that's you know that that's that's bad for you. That's bad for the organization. We don't do that sort of thing here. It is that is a dis, truly disheartening environment. <laughs> yeah, and again, and none of this is in none of us is are speaking ill of our our uh, the places that we've worked, and it's not it's not personal, and it's and it's not even it's there's a sense in which people are not even aware that that's the game that's being played. Well, yeah, um, I think yeah, I think that's right. Actually, it is unconscious because it's internal. People internalize those values to such a degree um, yeah. that they that they seem immutable and and, and unquestionable. That's just how we do. It's how we do. It's all. That's why the whole new engineer was about culture and emotion and trying to bring those things to the to a level of conscious discussion and and uh, in the hopes of of getting those things to um, to change. All right. So you've you're, this was this has been freeing you. You've been doing some great um, stuff. We've talked a little bit about some of the origins of this back in your early days at. Uh, uh, as uh, I actually there's a I, I want to ask where start engineering is going but before I ask that I you know one of the things that strikes me about your work it's so well done and and one of the things one of the problems that we have is that we get kids pumped up to in K12 to come to engineering um, at big public universities or wherever and they come in and um, to use um, um, and then we uh, we suck the life out of them, um, um, and and uh, we we put them through weed out courses and we discourage them. Is there a role for the kind of inspirational message of your work in in higher ed? I know you're focused on K twelve, but it seems to me that maybe there is, and I'm just curious how you react to that assessment. Well, I, you know, I totally agree, of course. Um, and and here's the thing. The people who are doing this work that 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 Bob and I and Stacy, you know, our other our other um, partner Stacy, um, resonated so much with, are there? They were all engineering educators. They were all yeah. higher engineering educators. So there is a large cohort, um, you know, already embedded in the field with with all the sort of markers of institutional status that you would want, which is to say tenure and and grant money you know, and uh, longevity and, and external recognition and so on. Um, they're yep. all there now, and they are working in, in these really wonderful, exciting areas, you know, that we have sort of piggybacked onto and, and, and think about as K-12 engineering education. But the, the, the pre-college engineering education division, for example, within ASEE, is the second biggest division. And I was there at the moment of its birth in 2002 in Montreal when it was three people sitting around a table saying, Saying like we should have a division for this activity because it's so cool, and you know now fifteen years later it's the second biggest division mm. in the society. So they're there and they need to be you know given sort of visibility and uh, or, and and some space to run because uh, it, it can come from within the, you know the community as it's currently you know arranged. Yeah, but it's it's also. Um... But what would you okay? So that you, when you think when like uh, okay, so we've got coloring books and we've got career guides and we've got uh, inspirational um, booklets for what 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 
kind of publications, what, what could you direct at higher ed in the same spirit of start engineering uh, K-12 efforts that would, uh, that would, that in, in exactly the same way, in, in, certain, in certain ways, we've got exactly the same problem in higher ed that we have, we have teachers, many of whom that w- who would like to be more inspirational, but who kind of get up and are the sage on the stage and they don't know, they don't know what to do to be more inspirational. What, what would, and I, 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 this isn't your bailiwick, but I'm just, it just seems to me that it, we've got the same problem and, and we're doing a disservice if we send kids off to, to uh, engineering school and we don't move that needle a little bit more than we have. Yeah, so, I mean, so, you know, there's a demand side and a supply side to that, yep. to that question. Yep. And so, yeah, one way of thinking about what we're doing at Start Engineering is to affect the demand side. So, you know, if we can Im- Im- embed an idea or a vision of what engineering can be in the minds of students who are going off into college, um, you know, for better or for worse, we are in an era when uh, students are consumers of their education, and, and universities see them that way. Um, so, you know, they have a tremendous amount of force um, and, and ability to shape that um, <laughs> product offering that universities present in the form of engineering education. Um, so that's, you know, that's one piece of it. And, I, and I, you know, I suppose we could be more explicit about that by, by trying to understand which universities seem to be most able to, you know, offer them something along the lines of what we are implicitly, you know, promising is available to them. So then, you know, on the supply side, you have to uh, change the values and behaviors of, of, the, of, the, of the faculty population. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah, no, but I know. I, I, but it's a it's a good it's a good point. But it, it but I I don't think I, I wonder what I want. I'm just asking what would that be like? Because I think you've done an outstanding job on K twelve, and you've and and there are people who with the some of this is a lack of materials. Like so, what um and what would that what would that be like at K twelve? And in a certain way, a whole new engineer was was sort of start engineering for grown ups. Um, because, but it's at an intellectual level and a very high level. But I'm, but I'm thinking that the kind of, the the kind of um, treatment that 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 you give the subject could could be a value. Anyways, I, I I think that's a interesting question for reflection. Let's let's not talk about what might be. Let's talk about where start engineering is is headed. So, um, had some really cool things to start. What's what's next? Well, so we've we've um, our our newest um, book is a bilingual edition of Dream Invent Create. So that's been uh, just come sort of hot off the presses, and yeah. we're you know really excited about the bilingual edition because that uh, is a way to enlarge the the, the reach of, of the publication to different audiences of, um, and, and to Spanish speaking students who you know for whom language and engineering is a barrier. So that's been exciting. Um, we continue to move. I would say we have two primary focuses right now, or two directions that we're going that are expanding our sort of mission into different uh, venues. One um, 30 seconds. Okay. Um, we've got a really exciting partnership with a company in Canada that offers a kind of virtual STEM guidance counselor website for subscription oh, basis. And we're getting into developing some teaching materials through a new nonprofit we're working on with some uh, educational partners. Very cool. Well, I wish we had more time. This is really exciting stuff, Eric, and I appreciate your taking the um, um, uh, time to join us. Uh, just a quick URL. Where can people find out more? Very good. Start-engineering.com. Uh, easy to find. Yeah, go see it and uh, uh, 
buy this stuff, take it home to your kids, and, and teachers, take it to your classrooms. Thanks, Eric, for being on, on the show. Thank you so much. A real pleasure. Yeah. You've been listening to Big Beacon Radio, Transforming Higher Education. Uh, special guests to, to Eric Everson and Start Engineering for joining us. Help transform higher education. Join the movement to unleash a new generation of innovators by learning more at bigbeacon.org. Join us next week, same time, same channel, as we continue our quest to transform higher education. Thank you for tuning in to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Please join Dave Goldberg soon for another edition. Listen every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For additional information about our programs or to find out about the next show, please visit bigbeacon.org. We'll talk again very soon.